Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to Eurowatch, the number one show on this summer's Euros. Uh, me and my host Ritiktakar have tried to record about 70 times, so we're hoping this is the final recording you're hearing and we're hoping it's gone well. If we sound quite depressed during it, if we sound like we've said the intro 60 times, um, now you know why. <laughs> but Ritik, uh, what are we talking about today? Well, we are getting on to the news. Uh, Alex and I are taking a little bit of a departure from the previous Eurowatch formats. I'm going to give you a little bit of a rundown as to what every team's been up to, who's been playing well for them, who's been a bit disappointing, what they have ahead, so you are kept up to date. Yes, and I, I can't lie, I, I can't say. Ritik, what teams are you talking about? You're talking about Turkey and the other one in Group A. Give us the news on that, please. <laughs> so Turkey have a firm challenge on their hands. Uh, as uh, listeners might know, a lot of teams are going to be playing the Qatar qualifiers for the Qatar 22 World Cup. And as a result, they'll have some time to flex their muscles and start picking out their possible teams for the Euros. Uh, Turkey will be facing Norway in their qualifier. And as uh, COVID has dictated... Turkey won't be playing this in, um, they will not be playing this game uh, in Norway. Instead, they're going to be playing it in Spain, which I find rather strange because all the Spanish Champions League games just got shifted to Italy. So who knows what's going to happen? Um, Alex and I talked a little bit about um, Burak Yilmaz and uh, the strike force and how they're going to be the pillars of strength. Um, I also wanted to touch a bit about Switzerland, primarily because we haven't really covered them and... There's a defender of theirs, a right back. You might know him, Alex, Kevin Mbabu. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Wolfsburg defender. Yes, the Wolfsburg right back. He's been playing in the Bundesliga's best defense right now, marshalling their corner. And it's, it's, it's kind of nice to, you know, have another name uh, other than uh, Granit Xhaka or um, Stefan... Or, um, Stefan Licksteiner or Shakiri. It's nice for another another name from the Swiss to be coming up to the fore. Alex, yeah. uh, you want to tell me a bit more about Italy? Well, Italy, I'm not sure. I, I haven't actually got much in there. I've got uh, Wales and Switzerland. Wales is the team I think have got the uh, the most news on because they're not having. They've not got. They're not having a fun time, Ritik. They're not having a fun time. Oh my. Ryan Giggs could see his job disintegrate. Um, Greater Manchester Police have extended his bail over assault charges from his girlfriend. Oh, I completely May... forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> until May 2021. This means oh, um, Lord. The, the Welsh FA have to make a decision over who takes charge of their World Cup qualifiers with Belgium and the Czech Republic, which are coming up in uh, March, I believe, or late March. Oh, my. Um, even worse, uh, the FA can't really make a decision because the, the chief executive of it, uh, Jonathan Ford, has been set on leave because a vote of no confidence was passed. Um... <laughs> The Welsh national team seems to be in a bit of a pickle at the moment. Uh, they'll hopefully be leaning on Daniel James and Gareth Bale. I mean, before give today, it to Craig had... Bellamy for the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> before today, I had Bale was a player who's been out of form, but he scored two against Burnley. So maybe there is a bit of positivity there. Uh, in, on the Swiss knows? side, though, on the Swiss side, though, you mentioned about Kevin Mbabu. He'd need to be on form because there's a bit of an injury crisis in Switzerland. Uh, Manuel Kanji's torn muscle fibre. Fabian Charles oh, injured his knee. Um, the Mainz midfielder Milson Fernandes is suffering an ankle injury. Uh, none of these players have a return date, and their striker Briel Ambolo, I have, I couldn't have less confidence in. He's missed eleven big chances in the Bundesliga and scored three goals. He could not hit a barn door at the moment. If he fell off a boat, he'd miss the sea. That's his form <laughs> at the moment. 
Wow, <laughs> so, that is that is that is grim. Yeah, they will be leaning. Grim. They will be leaning on um, Granite Xhaka, uh, I think, as you as you mentioned there. Oh my God, bless their souls. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want to move on to Group B then? Yeah, so I uh, did a little bit of digging, as I customarily do, in Denmark. Um, Denmark have two qualifiers against Israel and Moldova. I think they are playing Moldova at home and Israel away. Should be able to navigate them, but it'll be a stern challenge for one of um, the lower-ranked teams in the Euros right now. Eriksson is finally hitting form under Antonio Conte. He's been scoring free kicks, getting assists, you know, doing whatever he can with the game time he's been given. Also positive signs is that uh, Pierre-Emile Hoybier, uh, you know, Spolson and Martin Braithwaite are all, you know, playing a decent amount of minutes for their teams. They're, they're really showing a few more leadership characteristics. I would say um, Hoybier especially can be very crucial to the um, central pivot. Of that Danish mm. side, um, it's it's still up in the air. I mean, Denmark won a very banterous 1992 Euros. Uh, since then, it's 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 been a little hit or miss. They qualified for the World Cup, they did a little okay, but they're gonna need to have to find a bit more courage and a bit more steel. So, um, thing thing th- things are still yet to be settled there. For um, I believe, uh, who are you covering from this group, Alex? I- I'm covering Belgium and Russia. And I don't think um, the Belgian manager, Roberto Martinez, will be happy at the moment. Witzel's now passed 50 days out injured after rupturing his Achilles tendon. Uh, I, will, I will be honest, a lot of my news is negative. Sorry to put a negative spit on the world, but uh, uh, that, what that, can that, I say? Art uh, 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 imitates reality, I would suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, Martinez previously stated, actually, that he, he's going to wait to the very, very last second if, until he rules... A Witzel out of their um, what, uh, Euro squad. But it'll be interesting seeing the Belgian team um, against Wales in March. Um, they've, as I think, uh, they're going to have players like Jeremy Doku uh, trying to burst into the team. He's been okay at Ren. And um, Dodi Lukabakio, Mertens, Hazard, Chadley have all seen uh, playtimes decrease. I'm not too sure about Mertens, but definitely Hazard and Lukabakio, and especially Chadley. So be interesting. I've also looked at Russia. Uh, there's, it's a bit quiet over there. I mean, Alexander Golovin has um, picked up his form, the the hero from the um, from the World Cup. World Cup. Yes. yes. But uh, the the most interesting thing I found is so obviously Ritik. We've looked in the news recently, I think, and uh, we did our last podcast in it where the Euros we hosted. It could end up being England plus one game in Russia because they've been considering. How classic would that be? <laughs> Yeah, they're cons- they're considering vaccinating their entire Euro twenty twenty staff so they can host their match in St Petersburg with no trouble. So, oh my that sweet pretty, lord, that's pretty bold from the Russians. I I have to like it. But um, to, the other team to, in this group, to Finland. England's to, to 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 England's point though, uh, <laughs> the government has come out and said nothing is for certain right now because England's luck can change on the dime, both in their football and their politics and their vaccinations. So we shouldn't yeah, be holding our breath because a lot of people still want 12 nations to um, play the Euros, which I always thought was a ludicrous idea, but now it just might seem very insane. I mean, we'll, we'll get on to England in a bit. Of, of, there's a bit of news there. But the, the, weaker team, the weakest team in Group B is Finland. Is there anything happening over in uh, Scandinavia? Well, you, you know, 
a lot of the Finnish players don't really play in their top leagues anyway. I guess their 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 most dangerous informed player plays in the championship, Temo Puki. Um, they have Bosnia at home and Ukraine away. Guess oppositions of that caliber. But it's 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 not really looking well for Finland. You know, a, some a lot of they've had injuries to a couple of their players. Um, Puki himself has been going through a bit of a rough patch at Norwich. It's it's a little sad. It's a little sad. I would have liked to see Finland doing a little bit better, but um, <coughs> sorry, it's got something stuck there. Um, yeah, that's 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 primarily you know what it's looking like in not not looking not looking too good good for the Finns, not looking too good for the Scandies as a whole. We'll move on to Group C. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get the most interesting team in the Euros out of the way. So North Macedonia, um, <laughs> they've, 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 there's actually a bit to cover here. Um, yes, they've, they've, they've obviously the perennial whipping boys. This is going to be their first major international tournament, so okay. you know they've got no record to go against. Um, I, I didn't realise they've got a 21 year old midfielder called um, Elgif Elmas, who, if you're a Serie A <laughs> fan, you'll know about. He's a uh, He's been playing for Napoli. Um, he's got his second goal of the season recently in a win against Parma. And uh, meanwhile, nice. Gordon Pandev, the 37-year-old, has... The um, legend, the absolute legend, inter-treble winning midfielder, Goran Pandev. There we go. He's picked up his form at uh, Genoa. He recently, beat, um, he recently beat Napoli, actually, scoring both goals. And, uh, well, North Macedonia, don't write him off. That's what Ed I'm John saying. Alioski also plays for them, right? Leads is uh, attacking midfielder. Oh, I think he does. That's a really that's good memory. That's yeah, he's been growth. playing a bit part role with the resurgence of uh, with the emergence of Rafinha and the resurgence of um, who was the Wolves player that was um, Heldacosta. Ah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's been struggling to find a bit of form. But going on to that, I'd probably go to like the next most interesting um, country is the Netherlands. Um, Ooh, yes. uh, you know, Alex and I have uh, made no secret of our uh, <laughs> favoring of the Dutch national team. Um, but it's looking a little shaky. Um, Hans Hartebo is going to be injured for like the next month and a half. It's a big Oof. blow to their it's midfield options. Uh, you know, Donny van der Beek is not getting enough time for United, even though he's just recovered. Um, and it's 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 looking a little bit party for them, especially in that midfield area. Um with Dali Blind coming back into centre back for Ajax, he probably won't be there as a midfield option. Not that he was much there for the consideration, but still. Um what 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 is tasty though is uh Leeds is Pascal Strike. Now, Alex, uh, do you know do you know why I'm bringing him up here? Uh, you have any idea? Absolutely no idea. So Pascal Strike has yet to play an international game. However, he is available for both Belgium and the Netherlands. Uh, <laughs> why this is interesting is in the absence of Calvin Phillips, arguably Leeds' most important player in the championship winning season um, and to the early parts of this season, Pascal Stroik has now gone from a central defender to central defensive midfielder. He's been doing rather well, especially in Leeds' most recent um, victories. And mm. he can he, he he plays in that pivot really well. Um, you know, think of something someone like um, a, a prime Kovacic uh, being able to turn the ball quickly, turn the shoulder, and putting it forward. With Hartebor injured, you know this might be this might be the perfect time to just take a punt on strike. He's a great option to have for both teams. Uh, Belgium uh, you do have Yari Tielemans, um, but 
can they rely on Axel Witzel? I don't think so. There's Dan Donker as well, but he's been playing defense for Wolves. You know, so both 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 countries um, should be looking at him. And I'd be very, very surprised and a bit sad if Pascal Stryker doesn't make it to any of their teams. But I think he's definitely making a huge name for himself. That's a nice point there. They That's a good argument for it. It'd be interesting to keep an eye on that because I'm sure one of those two teams, especially pretty much rivals, will go for him. Uh, before you finish off with Group C, I have want to touch on Austria. Uh, the Austrians only... Uh, one fact I found out was uh, the Austrians have only debuted in the Euros in 2008. But they'll be fancying their chances come June. Uh, I'm sure most people will see Marcel Sabitzer's rocket recently for uh, yes. Leipzig. It was a belting yes, yes. shot. And Jeva uh, uh, Schlager continues impressing at Wolfsburg, as you mentioned, the best defence in the Bundesliga. And uh, also another Austrian player, uh, Saza Kaladzic, Kaladzic is breaking through at uh, Bundesliga club Stuttgart. I've watched him a couple of times this season. An interesting player. Rizik, do you reckon uh, the German coach Franco Foda will lead Austria to anything interesting this time round? Um, it, it depends on a mu- <laughs> depends on a multitude of factors. Um, you know, Austria could be a surprise package. We've talked a little bit about their key players. Um, it's also going to be interesting to see where where David Alaba's mind settles to. Uh, he's been the subject of much transfer speculation. Um, and for, I believe for Austria, he largely played as a central defensive midfielder, though he's also played left wing, left mid, left back, left central defender, left center back in a back three and a center back in a back two. Um, he's an important player. He's a great player. He's a world-class player. I think he should, um, you know, really be uh, leading that line. He's reaching a different stage in his career. And it'll be interesting to see how that translates to his national team performance. Because we, we, we've seen a lot of people in Austria and in Germany who are bit part players for their clubs, but they're trusted by their national team so much that mm. every time they put on you know, a national team jersey, it's a different impetus. It just yeah. roars back up. And that, uh, that also brings me to why these fixtures are going to be interesting. Usually, you know, we look at... Um, Friendly games, and you see, oh yeah, these one-off friendly games. You know, you can you can play whoever they want to. They can tinker a little bit with their formation. But these are World Cup qualifiers. You've got to win every one of these with an iron fist, because it could come and down it, to goal yeah. difference. Yeah, and it's the last preparation that a lot of these teams will have before the Euros. Exactly. So mm. I don't think I don't like initially. I thought you know this could be th- could be somewhere where they could you know, tinker, put some people here, put some people there, rest some people. But I don't think some of those teams will have the luxuries, especially the teams who are facing caliber like opposition of similar caliber. It's gonna be it's gonna be really hard. Um, yeah. But yeah. who's the last uh, team we group and see you're gonna cover? Is it Ukraine? Have you got anything interesting yes. that's been happening yes. in Eastern Europe? Go on, tell me. Tell me. <laughs> Well, the country of Ukraine, again, still not doing well. Um, A a majority of their players are from Shakhtar Donetsk and the Ukrainian League. And that's not a specific knock to them, but it's it's looking a bit bit bit-bot. You know, they've lost their last three international games, albeit to good opposition, to Germany, to France. uh, Sorry, to Germany and to um, Scotland. But they have to face both France and Finland in their qualifiers. And that's going to be a... That's going to be more than a tall order. It's going to be an empire state-building order. Um, They'll have to try and make the most of it. I don't see them making the most of it. But, you know, these qualifiers have a very interesting habit of 
really surprising people off the bat. A lot of bigger teams come, they think they can play the second string sides, and they just get completely upended by, you know, relative minnows in their comparison. Um, you've seen this happen with France in the past. I think they drew with Greece, and it just wasn't good. Even though France can, I would say, play three different teams and all of them would qualify for the Euros, um, their mm. oppositions will have to be right, but Ukraine have a tough time. They're not in good form. The fixtures coming on good. Yeah, it's 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 hard to really have any positive news about them. But Perhaps uh, are gonna be ahead of them. Yeah, who knows? Uh, but do you uh, do you have any positive news on that sour note, though, Alex? Oh, uh, for Ukraine, I guess I I watch um they've got an interesting striker called Roman Yaramchuk who plays for Genk in uh, the mm. Belgian Pro League. I've watched a number of times. He's got a, I think it's over fifteen goals this season. Really interesting play. He scored a couple of times in Ukraine. He scored against Germany. So might be nice. something to keep an eye on just to balance uh, Ritik's optimism there. But we'll move on <laughs> to group move on to group D and I'm gonna start with the team most people will be waiting for Ingerland, Ingerland, Ingerland. It's the big news home. is you the big news is that they may be hosting the Euros following our podcast Ritik. There was a lot of rumours bouncing out that uh UEFA what if if they do not get to put their multi-nation tournament out. England will probably be the place they'll be looking to hand it. The best candidate I've actually gotten written here. Boris, and... I knew you were listening to the pod. I know you're doing. I know what you're doing at number ten. You're not running the country. You're listening to Eurowatch, aren't you? It's <laughs> definitely not running the country, but that's a controversial <laughs> opinion there. But uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned earlier that there's some people still want the uh, multi-nation tournament to go ahead. I guarantee you in England, absolutely no one wants it to go ahead. They want it to come to England. We're all ready for it. We'd, and in, best, in, in light of uh, Boris Johnson's recent lockdown plan, which in fairness is <laughs> praiseworthy, it's pretty sensible, which would see that England would hopefully be, by the summer and by the year of its beginning, be relatively COVID-free, vaccines out, and uh, most people back to normal. This could be a summer to remember for England. But well, um, the last, the last couple of tournaments that were held in England, England have done well. Um, obviously, remember the tears of Gaza. But before that, when they hosted the World Cup in the sixties, they won. So I don't know. It could be coming home <laughs> if they play the be. tournament um, in the Isles. I'm, I'm awkward. I'm awkward to change our prediction of quarterfinals getting knocked out, <laughs> but. Um, be interesting to see. But above above England is Scotland, and they're also in Group D. That's the smoothest transition of the episode so far. Rusik, what's been happening in the, the Scottish Highlands? Well, it's 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 interesting, obviously, as people um, are uh, aware, Scotland qualified for their first tournament since I believe England '96. Um, it's a return uh, to form for them, and it's 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 been weird. They've um, you know obviously. Uh, Steve Clark is their manager. He's been linked with the Celtic job, but I don't think he should move away from... Um, uh, he should not move away from the Scottish national team in any capacity. However, there was an interesting uh, interview with Scott McTominay um, where you know they had brought up a few points of McTominay being suspect as the right centre-back of a back three and not being playing in central midfield where he's arguably had has been having the season of his life as Man United. He's got seven goals, uh, you know, a lot of them coming in clutch periods of time against clutch opposition. Um, but he said, um, you know, I have mistakes. However, this back three's worked. It's worked for us to get to the Euros. So I don't think right, right now is the right time to change it. And this was obviously in response to Steve Clark telling journalists that a back four might be more stable for them. 
now this brings about a host of questions, but I think it's good that Clark is thinking about it because McTominay in defense is a liability. McTominay in midfield is a roaring engine. Pair him with the likes of McGinn and you have, you have a team that can really, you know, control the midfield in a much better way than they could if they had a back three. Ah, and well, it's, let's, it's, let's yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that um, fetters out, though. Yeah, Definitely want to watch. The, the team they're probably, if they're going to go through, we, you have spoken highly of it before, the team they're going to have to likely beat is Croatia if they want to go through in Group D. And Croatia have had, um, it's been a quiet few weeks. Uh, Zlatio Dalic is the manager, and he's preparing for his second major international tournament. Of course, the first was leading to the Croatians to the World Cup final, so he'll be pretty optimistic. But... The, there's been a bit of positivity in Croatia recently. That's good to hear. Um, three of their first team players, uh, Dominic Livakovic, he's a promising goalkeeper, and Mislav Orsic plus Bruno Petkovic, a couple of midfielders and defenders. They've been playing for Zagreb and they've recently progressed to the Europa League round of 16. Uh, they'll be playing Tottenham. Oh, big um, up Zagreb. There you go, yeah. And I'm thinking if, if Zagreb can do well here, all it will do will provide these players feel with confidence and it'll be an interesting thing just to keep a small eye on there. But, um, Ritik, what was the other team in Group D as well? I mean, it's not just England, Croatia and Scotland. It's Czech Republic. I think you mentioned before there was not really much to report on over there. Uh, yeah, there's... Again, you know, with some of these teams, um, Alex and I do try our best. But some of these teams don't really have much going on although you know I'll, I'll 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 touch on czech republic a little bit um you know their their euro form wasn't uh the best i mean their form in the qualifiers weren't the best but um i think we mentioned before they have a very good unit that works well together i think the two people really worth watching are um they're Premier League players, and if you do Ooh, play fantasy football, uh, there'll be names that uh, you'll be very familiar with. One of them, one of them, one of them is Alex's favorite, Vladimir Kufal. Oh, <laughs> uh, that, I love Kufal. Yeah, he's brilliant. Vladimir Kufal and um, uh, the potato salad's favorite human, uh, Thomas Suchak. <laughs> Only true G's <laughs> will get that reference. Um, but yes, uh, you know, in midfield and in defense, the Czechs have players who are in form, they're sound. They're the kind of characters yeah. you really look for in an international tournament. Like, nothing will face them. Yeah. Nothing yeah. will face them. Romelu Lukaku could be barreling down them at like 120 miles an hour, <laughs> and they'll be like, yeah, come at me, bro. Well, yeah, because I think that's, I think that's news in itself, really, Ritik. The fact that, I mean, Sufal and Suchek have been fantastic this season, particularly Sufal. Watched him against um, <laughs> City yesterday, right? And he, he pocketed Ferran Torres and Phil Foden to the best wonder kids in world football. And he, he, like, he kept them quiet all game. So, I'll tell you what, if, if Czech Republic have got both of them starting, I'm actually sort of, I'm slightly backing them, really. I reckon they could do damage with those two at least. So, yeah, good good shout from you, Rithik. Good shout. And there's the undercurrent of, like, uh, Sufal and... Um, the undercurrent of Sufal and um, Suchak doing, doing well is that they're doing well in England. They know how these players play. They know they've been playing against them week in and week out, so it gives them it gives them a weird mm. sort of an advantage against England. <laughs> I mean, the the advantage could apply for the three lions as well. But um, moving swiftly on from Group D, Group E has uh, some uh, some tasty tasty prospects. Alex, who who are you looking at? Well, I'm looking at um, Poland actually, and. Uh, 
po- Poland have recently got a new manager in. Actually, uh, he was uh, brought in in January. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's um, Paolo Souza. Uh, he's the former Swansea manager. Um, he's basically bounced around French and English clubs for the past decade. His most recent job was Bordeaux, where he was fired in um, August. Aww. Yeah, he. They were a bit hit and miss, quite mixed. Sometimes they were good and sometimes a bit calamitous. But, um, yeah, it's a bit of an interesting Not developing, like, a fine wine, I suppose. Not no, much not, like that city's motto. Not not really, not really, no. And, um, yeah, I've watched Bordeaux a lot last season. And, like I said, sometimes they were okay, but he think I think he failed to get the most out of some talented players. And now he has the task of guiding Robert Lewandowski, Arcadius Milik, Wojciech Szczesny to... Some form of success. They were knocked out in the quarterfinals in 2016 by Portugal. You guessed on on penalties. Yeah. <laughs> For the listeners, though, I will say that um, in the it, within the Polish uh, you know fan base, they they don't really um, they haven't recently been taking kindly to their superstars. You know, these are people like Szczesny, people like um, Blaszczykowski, people like uh, Lewandowski. Obviously, Blaszczykowski is retired now. Um, because they just haven't been performing in the international tournaments, and there was a hmm. there was a definite sense of um, you know animosity towards him. I, I do believe Adiritz Milik, um, he plays for Poland as well, um, and he he at least in the friendlies, I mean the qualifiers, was performing better than Lewandowski. Um, Lewandowski was getting a Damn. he was getting a lot of goals pretty much when the matches were over. Um, so it'll, it'll it'll be worth it'll be worth you know putting one eye on them. They've got the most inform and arguably the best forward on the planet, leading their line. But yeah. football, as everybody knows, is a game of eleven players. Yeah, so um, I mean we've covered them. You're covering Spain and Sweden, right? More of the favourites in Group e, in Group yes. E. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, they're difficult because um, Spain and Sweden are very strong teams, but Spain um, particularly will have an interesting set of of uh, fixtures ahead against Greece and Georgia. And this sort of runs counter to what I was saying. Now, Greece and Georgia in the World Cup qualifiers seems like a match where you could play one or two, you know, B-team B players or squad players. You probably can't put in a whole B-team, but these, these are the type of oppositions that allow you to do that. And Spain's depth warrants that because their captain and their most influential player, Sergio Ramos, is only going to be back in April. So this gives this gives a lot of people chances. This gives um, people like uh, Athletics' Inigo Martinez, uh, Villarreal's Pau Torres, um, and even Nacho Fernandez of Real Madrid. You know, a real option to say, hey, there are two centre-back spots up for grabs here. One of us should take them. And I would really hate to see Javi Martinez get one of those spots. I think he's been washed out for a while, and I just don't want to see him back. Again. Um, so yeah, they can also step up because whichever one of them steps up is likely to be Ramos's partner when um, he returns from injury. So that'll really be worth seeing. Um, and moving on from you know uh, that centre back, I want to talk about a centre forward, but largely I want to talk about Sweden's centre forward, um, Alexandra Isak. Now uh, a lot of no, people might no, remember Isak's not... <laughs> name or Isak, not... it's Isaac. as I'm told. Uh, no, it's it's Ishak. No, apparently, it's not. Is. listen, Ritik, we're in England and we say names in an English way. All right. <laughs> Recently, I've been shouted at because I called Moise Ken, uh, Moise Ken, when I got shouted at and told it's Moise Kane. It's actually Moise Ken from what he said it is on it. Oh yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, it's, it's Moise um, Ken. It's Moise Ken. Yeah. But we're in England. <laughs> We've got to say Alexander. So get, Isaac. get back to Ishak. Is um, you know when he came on, a lot of people were looking at him as a Zlatan region. I think. Toward, the way I see him playing is it's very similar to um, Zlatan in his early days, who, in my opinion, is one of the most aesthetically pleasing strikers. 
Um, but not to get on to Ibra too much is that he's on great form. You know, he's got 12 goals and two assists. He had a very quiet start to the season when Real Sociedad were doing really well and they were leading the La Liga. But since, you know, people like David Silva have gone, have gotten injured, Mikel Oyazparal um, has been out of form. You have Alexander Isak coming in, and he scored six in six straight games. He scored eight goals in them and provided an assist, and he had a hat-trick against Alaves. Um, and it's, it's, it's quite simply, he's, he's, he's been in really great form. Even against Man United, even though they lost 4-0 and 0-all, um, you could see him really chomping at the bits. And he was facing his... Um, Swedish counterpart uh, Victor Nielsen Lindelof, who himself has been getting a good string of games for United. He had a very, I believe, a very, very good game against Chelsea right now. He was, um, I would say, United's most solid defender. As he has been, he's been getting a bit of flack, especially with Eric Bailly coming out and doing all of his brain-dead feats of acrobatics <laughs> and convincing convincing everyone that he should be alongside uh, Harry Maguire. But that notwithstanding, Ishak should be one to look at. Um, younger forwards usually use the Euros as a great launch pad for their future success. No more so than England's own Wayne Rooney. Um, mm? But that, that about does it for that group. Um, now, now we've obviously saved the best for last. So the group of death, who do you want to tell me about? The nice. group of the group of death indeed: France, Germany, Portugal, Hungary. I'm going to start with France. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I, I like let people know I am a right forget French football news. So this is the main starting point, and without a doubt, Didier Deschamps' sides are looking set to romp the Euros, getting revenge for 2016, obviously when um Portugal knocks them out, but in the well won the final over them. But there's been a bit, a bit of a debate recently. Uh, it's centering around the goalkeeping position, and some people in France are tending to think that Mike Menon... Better Mignon, than Steve Mandanda. <laughs> Mike Menon is definitely better than Steve <laughs> Mandanda, yeah. But um, Menon, uh, the Lille goalkeeper, should start over Hugo Lloris. Now, Menon has barely put a foot... In fact, I've watched him very regularly this season. He's not put a foot wrong for Lille. Exactly. Um, and there is a, a bit of an ongoing debate. Maybe he should be starting over 34-year-old Lloris. Although Lloris is the captain of the French national side. So it would make it difficult. I think it's a little too early. But Ritik, what do you think? Do you think Mangon deserves a chance? Yeah, I think it could only push Lloris. However, you know, this close to the tournament, the way the mentality works is the goalkeeper is a first name on the team sheet. And Deschamps isn't going to change him when the Euros come in. Will yeah. he put Menon in, in the friendlies, I think, or in the qualifiers? I really think he should. This is lower quality opposition they're going to face, like Georgia. It, it, might be, it might be the best time to do it because goalkeepers really need to play because they need to get a relationship going with their central defenders. And is, is it, the, problem, the problem with France, the problem that props up sometimes is that some of their best central defenders don't play in France. Now, there are a lot of French centre-backs coming in, but you see the likes of, um, you know, uh, Raphael Varane, you see the likes of people like Kurt Zuma, um, uh, and maybe Heimerich Laporte if he ever gets a call-up. Uh, and Jules Koundé, um, Dior Upamecano, uh, Konate if he's fit. These are all French centre-backs who do not play in France. Um, so, you know, it becomes difficult. Obviously, the argument can be made, well, Hugo Lloris doesn't play in France. He plays in England. He doesn't play with most of these people. That's pretty fair. But he plays. he's played with more of these people in the national team setup to, you know, warrant continuing his position. Um, he had a howler in the World Cup final. He's had bit part performances for Spurs. But I think push comes to shove. 
keep Lloris on this tournament after the Euros, whatever the fallout is, then question whether, um, you know, he mm. deserves to be sweating over his position between the sticks. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Okay, but let's move on to who we predicted to go second place in Group F, and that would be Portugal. <laughs> uh, Ritik, what have you got on Portugal? Um, Shao uh, Felish is being relegated to a bench player under Simeone, I think a bit to Atletico's detriment. He hasn't been starting many games, but when he's been coming on, he's added that bright spark. Um, I think Fernando Santos will have issues of balance uh, because you have a number of players doing well, some not doing as well as others, and how attacking do Portugal go? Because I think right now the best performing Portuguese player in the recent past is not Bruno Fernandes, not Jao Felix. I think it's Ruben Neves. Ruben Neves has scored five goals. He scored five goals. That's a rogue shout, out, of course. He's scored five goals since um, January. He's largely responsible for Wolves' slight optic in form um, alongside Pedro Neto. Um, but I think why is I came across a really interesting stat. In the Premier League, Alex, can you tell me the only player who scored Ruben Neves since the start? Oh, start of okay. the year. Okay. Ruben um, Neves is on five goals. Who's who's in twenty twenty one? Who's outscored him? Gundogan. Yes. <laughs> a midfielder, <laughs> a central midfielder has been outscored by central midfielders. <laughs> Number nines eat your heart out. <laughs> Timo Werner's um, crying in the corner. <laughs> crying. <laughs> can't even can't even get a start. Um, but uh, yeah, that that that's where it comes down to. He's such a good presence in the central defensive midfield. You know, he's been playing a lot more with Pedro Neto. Uh, and uh, what what that actually means for um, Portugal is that he can start occupying the central defensive spot that William Carvalho usually used to occupy. And that frees up the two central midfield spots ahead of him, which can go to people like Neto, can go to people like Fernandes. Uh, Renato Sanchez. Renato Sanchez, or even Bernardo Silva. So what that basically does is then puts those people in the most effective areas in midfield. And you have those three spaces up front, which are their prime for the taking. You know, the likes of Gonzalo Guedes, Ronaldo, uh, Jao Felix. The, the, it, it gives them more breadth to really attack. It's like one change from central defensive midfield can give you more options. Um, he's been playing well. He is, you know, still in the prime of his career. And I honestly think he should be playing for a better team than Wolverhampton Wanderers. But if he's doing well there and he's happy, might as well stay. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, the, the third place team, which would be in Group F, should be <laughs> Germany. Swift segue. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Now, the last time we spoke about Germany is with the wonderful Tom Fenton uh, from Get German Football News, and we discussed Germany straight after they lost 6-0 to Spain, and Joaquin Lowe's job looks like it was in the bin. But they stuck with Lowe, and, um, well, he's he's going to be guiding them to Euro 2020-21. Uh, I mean, things don't look good. Robin Cocker suffered a major injury. And Timo Werner, as we mentioned, has lost literally all confidence in front of goal. Uh, Chelsea players have described what's happened as horrific, just seeing him disintegrate. Werner even said that if I scored more, maybe the previous manager would have been there. That's a very sad admission to make. Yes, exactly. It's He's clearly... This is probably the lowest point in his career so far. Uh, it's, it's not looking good for Germany, in my opinion. I thought Tuchel was dead. I thought Tuchel was brought in to make these German players perform better. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, we haven't really seen Kai Havertz play at Chelsea. 
Werner's he's Werner's actually performed a, quite a lot better in recent games. Just he hasn't got he hasn't got his goal. But um, I think I think Joaquin Lowe's just going to be hoping more on the facts that Ilkay Gundogan keeps up the ridiculous scoring form. I mean, eleven Premier League goals in nineteen Premier League matches for a centre midfielder is absolutely ridiculous. So hopefully that picks up. That's insanity. That's insanity. Ugh. But uh, there are also there's another tasty bit of controversy because apparently the door might be open for Thomas Muller to come back into the side. And you know when he got dropped, then it was justified. But dropping him permanently while Lowe's still in charge, I think, is one of the most brain dead things you could have ever come across. <laughs> because you look at the the people he's just born who've all come back, even Jerome Boateng, who's got all these accusations to deal with, he's been solid. He's been solid for Bayern. You know, Bayern started off a little shaky. Leipzig is still, you know, chomping at their bits. But he's been there. He's been better than Sula. He's been performing well with a raft of different central defensive options. And, you know, both him and Hummels probably deserve a shout to be back in there. Especially because Germany's central, mid- central defense just doesn't look good. Whenever I've seen Ginter and Rudiger play in central defense, I've not been confident. Mm. It's not... I mean, Rudiger, Rudiger's actually picked up his form a lot, uh, I think, under Tuchel at Chelsea. He started every game under him, actually. And in the game against United today when we recorded, he was very, he was still very competent, okay. I thought, and he had some good moments. But I, I, I still agree with you uh, quite largely, mainly on uh, Mats Hummel's point. Yeah. I think he should be brought uh, back into the side. I'm less convinced about Jerome Boateng. But Ritik, what's happening with Hungary in Group F? Um, injuries, injuries <laughs> for the Hungarians. Um, uh, I, I, I won't blame anybody for not, you know, not knowing um, a lot about the Hungarian team. <laughs> uh, one of their best attacking midfielder, Slot Kalmia, who plays, who plays for, um, who plays for. Uh, that was a good pronunciation. Uh, Dark Dunajska Streda in the first year of that, the that Serbian was, Premier that League. That was a little weaker. Um, he's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nemanja Nikolic. Oh, that no, plays, you've, um, you've lost I me be- there. You've lost me there. <laughs> Who plays a Ferivar in the Hungarian Who? first year? He's been injured um, uh, in the Hungarian first. No, 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 not the first tier, I think. Oh, Nemanja Nikolic. No, I don't mean. Uh, no, you said Ferenc. I'm pretty sure you just tried to pronounce Ferenc Varos and you completely, absolutely messed it no, up. No, in this. You, you Ferenc Varos. No, I didn't mean him. Did you not? It's M O L. <laughs> it's M O L Fecheva F C. Oh well, I mean, I look like a bit of an idiot now. Um. Fair play. <laughs> yeah, so they all they all play in the East European League. They all play in the East European League, and um, it's 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 it, it's hard to get much coverage for them. I guess out of all of them, uh, Attila Shalai is the one that people will know because he plays for uh, SK Fenerbahce in uh, Turkey. Uh, Fenerbahce not been doing well. He hasn't been doing well either. Uh, people probably keep in touch with Fenerbahce because Mesut Ozil apparently plays for them now and sings the Turkish national anthem, much to the chagrin of German uh, citizens who pretty much disowned him a while ago. So I don't know why they're still angry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's not much to say about Hungary. What about, which um, might make... what about Dominic Sabozlai? From Hungary? Yeah, I'm pretty certain he's mm. Hungarian. Pretty, uh, RB Leipzig guy, yeah. He should be. I'm pre- yeah, is there any news on him? Because he's gone a bit quiet recently since the move to Germany. <laughs> yeah, he is Hungarian, nothing has There we go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, what's the news on him? Or maybe we should uh, 
Leave it to the guys in the, the comments. He's been injured. He's ah. been injured. Ah, he's been injured. He's been injured for um, he's been injured for a bit. Uh, and actually, to be fair, this 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 season hasn't been bad for him. But he's had a doctor problems, and he's pretty much been out the entire year. Ah, fair, fair enough. Look at that, Ritik. Some quick research from you. <laughs> we, we gotta love it. We gotta nine goals and eleven. Nine go- Nine goals and eleven assists. That's much. That's as much as I'll say about Shabashlai this season. Ah, fair. Fantastic, enough. Fair but enough. injured. <laughs> fair enough, man. Well, I think that's a good point to end on. Thank you very much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a tough record but we hope the audio was um easy enough to listen to uh thank you very much for listening to Eurowatch. please follow us on spotify and subscribe to us on youtube if you haven't already thank you very much for listening